0: I can only say that it feels right. It feels right. It feels
2: right. Yeah. I can only say that it feels right. Hello good friends and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Lambs podcast. I'm Kyle Redkey. He's Julian Andrews. What what's is up, up Julian? Uh, not much, what's man. up Kyle? Yeah. Um, just hanging out with my cats. I'm in my recording room and I have one cat just chilling in the corner, one cat's on the chair. Um it's nice. a dream. It's every every kid's dream. Nice. What you been up
1: to this weekend so far?
2: Um, uh, our good friends got engaged. um, Awesome. Yesterday, so um, my fiance helped kind of organize the kind of the day of, like, planning to surprise uh, to surprise the couple. So um, it was good. I will say, maybe I had a few barley sodas last night, and nice. I'm about eighty four percent right now. What about you?
1: Um, I had a. I've actually had a really good weekend. I'm. This is like my fully vaccinated you know, and entry. And so we like saw, we had like had some friends over for dinner on Friday, which was really nice. Um, And then yesterday hung out with a different friend. We went down to, we got sandwiches from the St. Paul cheese shop, which I believe I've shouted out on this pod before. Best sandwiches went uh, down to the river, hung out. It's been like a really nice weather weekend.
2: Yeah, it has. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to, nice to get back to some normalcy with um, everything. Plus yeah, obviously the weather makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, unrelated news, big big shout out to our friends at DraftKings. Um, I think there was a UFC fight yesterday. So hopefully um I, we were kind of talking about getting in the lineup all week and hopefully did and hopefully you cashed out. Um moving forward, obviously the NBA playoffs are right around the corner today. Is we're recording this on a Sunday. Um NBA playoffs, like the planned game is gonna be a lot of fun, though those playing games. So like I, I can't think anything better of sitting down on I think Tuesday night and just sitting and watching NBA and those two playing games, and then also maybe creating a DraftKings lineup. And if you do use the code TBPN, you can um, turn that $1 or whatever you decide to use into $100 on select main um, matchups. So it must be 21 years or older. Um, Restrictions apply. Uh, Yeah, big shout-out to our friends at DraftKings. Um, So, Julian, like we talked about, last season of the game being played today – We'll get into on Wednesday, I really want to do a deep dive on the Wolves season and look at some just like stats. And I want to, I'm going to ask on Twitter, so people listening to this, um, if you want to respond, I'm just going to ask what the general consensus is of the season. Like, where, where do you stand? Obviously, you can't call it a success when your team finishes with one of the worst records in the league. But, um, like, obviously there's plenty of reason for optimism the way the season's ending. So I'm just curious where we're, where we're going to look back on this season. And obviously a lot of it has to do with where the wolves fall in the lottery and, um, going into next season. So, um, right now the wolves are 22 and 49 tied with Cleveland for the worst record in the league. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, you wait for the worst record in the league, the the fifth worst record in the league. Okay. Um, by the time you listen to this, you have a pretty, you'll, you'll know, um, how everything shook out on the final day Um, for those wondering the difference between getting the fifth seed or the the fifth worst record and the sixth worst record is 31.4% to get in the top three. If you're the fifth seed Um, and then it drops about 3%, um, three and a half percent to 27.6% to the four seed. So um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Like I said before uh, Wednesday's episode will go entirely over Wolf seasons, um, the the stats and everything. So um, the
1: uh, draft lottery is going to be
2: quite the event. It really will be, and it'll be like uh, I mean, we should look up when the draft lottery. is. It's
1: uh, June twenty second, I
2: think. Okay. Do you want to go live? We honestly probably should. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's going to be interesting. Um, Just uh, it's going to be depressing, probably. But the odds say probably yes. But like, if I mean, if it's not, holy shit! Like I know. If the wolves do fall in that top three, the thing is like, we're at the point now where um, I mean, not now because the season's over by the time people listen to this, but it's like, if all of a sudden and you, you talked about this last week where if the wolves actually get the eighth pick and that right. ends up being the warriors pick, it's like, well, who cares then? Well, it's you know?
1: like everyone's saying it's a five player draft, right? Like I know it's a good play. I know it's a good draft overall, but I think the goal is to not give a top five pick. I was also talking with another one of my friends. It's like really interesting, this, this psychology. And he suggested that we look into like, if there have been a lot of other times in history where, um, you know, this situation has happened and what has happened to these teams where it's like this, there's a spectrum of either we have a really high pick or we have no pick. Yeah. And so there's this huge spectrum of emotions. And I think it brings in this like really interesting psychological thing because it's like, really, it shouldn't matter, right? Like, it shouldn't matter what pick we're giving to Golden State. Like, if it's not top three, yeah, you know, and we don't keep it, then at that point it's not ours, whether it's five or or ten. So it really it doesn't, it doesn't. really matter. But at the same time, it's like the big concern to me is have you evaluated the asset correctly? And if and you've evaluated the asset correct, if you haven't, and it's like pick number four you know, then it makes the dealer trade look worse, even though
2: it's like still the same, it's still not your pick. It's, it doesn't make it, I I mean, more than anything, it's just like the PR perception, right? Exactly. I mean, it's all, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, either you gave up like, like, Hey, let's go back to like the 2015 draft. Right. So it's either you give up the fourth pick, which is, which was Chris Taps Perzingis. So you gave up Perzingis and Wiggins for Russell, let's just say, or you gave up the fifth pick, which is Mario Hazonia. Well, I mean, Okay. Like, I mean, it really just depends on who that player turns into. Whereas right. like, let's, if you gave up the seventh pick that year, it's Emmanuel Moutier. It's yes. like, well, who cares? Yeah. Like make that trade all day. Um, if you gave up the 11th pick, which the wolves won't fall to 11, but it's miles Turner. Like um, it, you know, it's, it's really all about who that player becomes. And we probably won't know right away.
1: And um, we won't know really the success of that player for a long time. And we won't know if the wolves would have taken the same player anyway. So yeah. it's, it, It's like, I I feel like it's totally, it's just a really interesting thing to think about because you never really know how it's like there's too many variables that have to play out. Like, it's not as simple as the Wolves would would have had this player Mm -hmm. if they had this pick. There's so much else
2: going on. Exactly. And then, I mean, and then you look back at like, okay, well, if the Wolves would have been like, if they, if this pick would have been guaranteed to be Minnesota's, do they play out the last month of the season differently? knowing that no matter what, they're going to have their pick rather than right. like, well, if we do win, this pick just goes to Golden State and their odds are worse to mm-hmm. get it at number four. So like, yeah, you're right. There's there's tons of variables and um, it feels yeah. like we, yeah. Can you remember a time
1: where a team protected a top pick top three and then gave up like pick four or pick five? Maybe I feel like all the times that I've seen it, it's been like, they end up giving up like 10 or something, you know, like those protections protected and then, it gets yeah, to be not that I would,
2: good. i would have to look like i think back to like the 2017 draft like i i felt like that pick was like the top three pick was boston's that but it ended up being like brooklyn's like it was brooklyn's pick
1: oh the brooklyn pick yeah they did, that,
2: they, they did that like that swap yeah so boston had i mean that's not i'm not actually answering your question um I would have to look because, I mean, Boston's probably the team. Yeah, I remember
1: there was a long time where that Brooklyn pick was like the most coveted trade
2: asset in the NBA. But I don't remember
1: how good it actually ended up being once it once it converted. Yeah, I mean. Huh. Well, we can look into it. We yeah. can look into it and figure it out for next time. But... So, uh,
2: yeah, because Boston's probably the team to look at because they, they also have like Memphis's pick. If like Memphis would have fallen out of like yep. the top three, I mean, like for Minnesota, the last time I can think of like a draft pick being conveyed like later was the Adrian Payne trade, which was lottery protected forever. And then yep. it was finally unprotected in 2018 when the Hawks ended up getting uh, Kevin Herter and the Wolves picked right after yep. they traded the Ricky Rubio thing. Um, Some cool stuff over the weekend, uh, KG along with Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan inducted into the hall of fame. Um, man, I mean, obviously if you're listening to this, like John Krasinski wrote a fantastic piece over the, over the athletic, um, John Krasinski friend of the podcast, um, about KG and, and some, some, some fun stories. I mean, I remember KG's first game back with the Timberwolves, um, in 2015 and I was, um, and like Jeff Munich, has a great story about Flip Saunders basically going into Mune's office before the trade happened and um, was just like, hey, hey, like, what do you think about this? How do you think our fans will react? And Mune was like, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'd be they'd be um, happy about it. And Flip basically says good because the trade's already been done. And <laughs> this is like nobody has any sense that this trade is going to happen. And um, I remember that morning we got word from our boss at the time, um, Bob Stanky. And he told us that the trade was going to happen, and just to have all of our assets ready. Well, there was a bug on the um, on Drupal, which was what we use for the back end of websites, where if you save something as a draft, it wouldn't publish on the website, but it would publish on the mobile app. Well, so we put together. Um, I think our team at the time was um, me, uh, Megan Schuster, um, and then Dane Mitsutani and we put together all this content and all of a sudden we look at the mobile app and Sam flood, um, at who's the web guy. And, and, um, is a fantastic guy. Um, he goes, Holy shit, guys, like all like this trade's not even close to official. And our mobile app is just full of KG content. Um, and this is before anything's even been like, like there's been no tweets about this happening at all. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the trip, like us getting them from Brooklyn, like wasn't even on people's radar until like mid morning that day. Um, so then it was just like this, this holy shit. We started writing these articles that were literally like 50 words. Cause you can't unpublish like, the, the app basically once it's on the app, we weren't able to get it off. So we just basically published like 50 articles that were like 50 words long just to bump um, it down the newsfeed. just just to bump it down the newsfeed and we hide we hit <laughs> it on them we hit it on the main site so nobody could see all these like i think honestly what we did is we just like copy and pasted a bunch of game notes and made them articles um yeah it was wild time and then i remember mid in the middle of that practice they told thad young that he got traded um because it was so awkward because he was shooting layups and the media and you know how it is like the media members just sit there and yeah. wait and it seemed like every media member knew Thad Young was getting, that got traded because we, we could all see it on Twitter. Um, the only person in the room that didn't know Thad Young was traded was Thad Young. Um, so then PR pulled him from, from any media availability and basically probably told him that, yeah, he's being traded for KG, which when it comes down to skill level, that was a horrible trade.
1: Yeah, um, I was going to say, that young's actually been a pretty productive player lately. Yeah. And like he's,
2: <laughs> yeah, he still is, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like if, if you know Flip, that was his thing, is he just wanted to make, like, Minnesota wasn't going to win. Um, like his thing was basically, like, how do we get fan interest back in the, the Wolves? And obviously, he hit a home run with, with KG and that first game back at Target Center against the Wizards. Like, check out that Jiggly Boy video, which I think is on YouTube. Um, it's crazy. That's amazing. But just like the arena was, it was insane because I was probably too young. I mean, when KG left Minnesota, I was 14 years old. So I remember, you know, him being here, but like, I don't specific, like, I, you know, I was too young to really be there for his, like when he got drafted, I was like four years old. Right. So, um, like, I remember those runs to the playoffs and I was a huge KG van with the Celtics, obviously, which I think like everybody in Minnesota was, um, But yeah, that was, I guess you don't, like I never realized the impact KG had on Minnesota basketball until he came back and you see all the people for just a really bad team, but, um, you know, watching KG. So um, obviously there's a lot of things to hash out with him. And, um, you know, it's it's so confusing because he said, I think, you know, he said about Minnesota, his biggest regret was not winning a title here. And then, but then he also said in the same kind of quote interview that I saw was, his biggest regret is not going to Boston sooner, which like, I don't know, right. like right. So you're like, how do you actually feel about um, his time in Minnesota? And you, I mean, obviously he feels super, you know, outed and and hopefully with Rodriguez and, and Mark Laurie taking over the wolves, you, you start to kind of repair that relationship with yep. KG. Cause it's like, it's so silly when I think KG got his jersey retired by the Nets. And you're seeing all this stuff like that the 76ers do for Allen Iverson. And it's like, God, damn, it's like Minnesota has like, you know, it, it, I shouldn't say Minnesota basketball because there's a links, but like the Timberwolves have nothing really good in its history. Like we have some fun rookie of the year award winners, but nobody gives a shit about that. Like, you know, and like, the, like, okay, cool. We did this interview, sit down interview with Wally Zerbiak. It's like, fuck, nobody cares. Like nobody, like I'll do respect to Wally, who I've talked to a bunch of times. He's great, but it's like, he would understand that too. It's like, it's about KG and the fact that like, you're not able to repair that relationship. And like, you can't even like, you know, the, the the team account posts like pictures of him on Twitter and everything. And it's like, basically the fans are like, fuck you guys. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, you don't get to post pictures of them and whatever. And obviously they, they, they have to, right. You can't ignore the fact, but also there's like that weird balance. And I remember when he retired, the PR team basically told us like, everything you write about KG retiring, you need to pass through us. Like there's certain things that we can and can't say about him. And there were certain things that they took out where I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, we can't say the, like, the, the relationship with KG is such a weird one. And I don't think anybody overthinks it more than like people on the business side. I don't know if you experienced that there, but like, oh, yeah. it was always like, oh, how do we even talk about this with KG? And it's like, ah. I don't know, man. I mean, until it, the ownership
1: starts trying to patch, it's like, yeah until ownership starts to patch up that relationship, like there's going to be only so much leverage they can get out of like KG content because it just, it just doesn't when KG is kind of subtly trashing and not subtly trashing the wolves and wolves ownership regularly. It is not, these articles are not going to play well. You know, it's, it's just like, you're not going to get what you want unless, I mean, I guess if you just want web views, (laughs) yeah well or like retweets then i guess yeah sure i guess that'll work but no it's 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 uh it's bad there there aren't that many um i can't think of any other pro sports teams that have that bad of a relationship with their ex stars no especially like of kg's caliber like there i know there are some like disgruntled you know stars of, of of teams but not not players that had an impact to the extent that kg had in minnesota so it's bad and it needs to be fixed and i remember when kg came back for that prince game um in 20 was that 2019 yeah 2018 2018 2018 and that was like oh like maybe this relationship is improving you know he's sitting courtside he's you know, wearing the, the Prince jerseys like that. And that was awesome. The arena yeah. I mean, went nuts and Minnesota fans still love KG. Yeah. It's just the ownership. It's just Glenn.
2: And I really hope that once that's gone, that relationship can be repaired. Which like, I don't know. We don't, we don't have to get too deep into this. We have, we have some more stuff to talk about, but I mean, when you're on Glenn side, you almost wish that the PR people would literally just be like, Hey dude, bite your ego here, like, just say this. Like, just say we're so excited. Like, whatever. You don't have to, You're not yeah. meeting with KG Weekly. Like, just try to repair that relate. Like, I mean, sh- I don't like, think
1: that the PR people are able to tell Glenn. No, what no, no. To I, do. I, I,
2: <laughs> I don't think I, Glenn I, listens to PR I, people. I get that, but like, you can. I no, know. I agree, though. I mean, I, like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, it was kind of, I don't know, w- without getting like super political, it's kind of like Trump at the end of his run where you're like, dude, if you would just. If you would just bite the bullet and admit yeah. to certain faults of yours and say you screwed up, like people would, like a lot of people would just have been like, "Oh, okay, I guess." Like he's better, and like obviously that's a very uh severe. Like not I wouldn't have thought that. But people, <laughs> yeah. but people on the edge of like who are they going to vote for would have been like, "Oh yeah, see, maybe he's turning it around." Like with Glenn, it's like just come out and be like, come out with a statement. I, yeah, like I'm, I so gratefully regret. how this relationship has gotten to this point, blah, blah, blah. And obviously there's the ownership stuff and he feels slighted from that. Um, But it's just one of those things where it's like, I know it's not easy to do, but like, eventually it's like Glenn, man, like you're, I I get you, you, you save the team from going to new Orleans like 25 years ago, but you are going to go out as one of the most despised owners in Minnesota sports, because you just haven't been able to salvage that relationship um you know and and you know yeah you just
1: gotta say what you gotta say you know it's even like just like a kind of fake olive branch would do the trick yeah it doesn't
2: even need to be like this
1: they don't actually need to repair their relationship they just need to put these glenn just needs to give an inch you know and stop just like trying to blame things on kg i don't know it's just bad it's just a mess but anyway
2: It, it really is uh Speaking of, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe it's like fractured relationships, fractured uh, relationships
1: in yeah, Minnesota uh,
2: basketball. Yeah. Simone Augustus announced her retirement over the weekend. Uh, it was announced that uh, shortly after or with maybe with the same announcement that she'll be an assistant coach for the Sparks. Um, super weird. Cause obviously, tough one, dude. obviously uh, like Augustus spent t- 2006 to 2019 with the links, helped them win four championships was Was like the first piece to the puzzle for all of this, and um, I was like going back and reading some of the stuff that we wrote about her during our time. And my last article about her was in 2019, basically saying that, or 2018 maybe, saying that um, like Simone is back and she signed a deal with the Lynx. And you know, one of the things on there was like she's one of a kind, and certainly she's had all these other opportunities to play elsewhere, but continued to play in Minnesota. And um, you know, there's some rumors that the the relationship between her and Coach Reeve maybe weren't weren't great at the time of her exit um, which is would explain why she would sign with a a rival Um,
1: this is a tough
2: one yeah but obviously that Simone you've been around her plenty I mean like your lasting memory of of her with the links and I mean you've you've talked to her plenty of times Um, you know yeah how, how will you remember that that career
1: I think the thing to remember about Simone is just she's so competitive. And so I think that that probably had something to do with kind of the breakdown into that, in that relationship with Reeve. because if you think about what the 2019 season, it was clear that the links with that core were not going to succeed. And in 2018, I love Simone. She was not very good on the court. She was a great presence in the locker room. She was a huge for like the development of some of the younger players on that team, but she wasn't, You know, she wasn't shooting that well. She'd clearly kind of lost a step. And I think that Reeve probably maybe didn't handle that situation as well as she could have from a relationship management point. But I also do think that Reeve was right to try and shift a lot of that playing time to some younger players. And so I kind of wish that that had been handled differently but I also, this is a situation where I actually am more sympathetic to both sides. Like I really do understand Simone's perspective and Cheryl's perspective here. And I also am not, I wasn't in the lot, you know, I don't have insider knowledge of like their conversations or their relationships, but I can kind of extrapolate just from their two very competitive personalities that that might have caused a split. Um, I think the first test, so the first time I saw Simone was when I had just moved to the Twin Cities in 2017 and they were playing in the finals of the 2017 WNBA championship. And I had not, I did not know about the lakes. I had just moved to the twin cities, but I was like, wait a minute. There's a, there's a winner take all basketball game happening and I can get tickets. (laughs) And so I bought tickets to the final, the game five against the sparks at Williams arena. Um, And I, I didn't know the team at all. And, but I just like went because I was like this, seems awesome this is yeah. like a champ like when am i gonna be able to see a team exactly. win a championship at, at like a game like a final game i keep wanting to say game seven but it was game five but you know um yeah and i just remember that team it was just so fun to watch and now i look back at that team knowing more about the WNBA, and i'm like holy shit like that that team was so good it's so good like fouls brunson moore augustus whale and then on the bench montgomery and Natasha howard and Planette Pearson like coming off the bench but um so I just remember her like coming out of the locker room and like the legs were just like very hype and very fun to watch and so I remember that and then a year later or not a year later like eight months later started working for the team Um, and I think that I think Simone was the person who I was the most intimidated by um, of everyone we covered with the Wolves and the links, She just, like, had such a resume and really had such a presence, and I felt that way with Sylvia, too, Sylvia Fowles, but Syl was just always so ridiculously nice. I feel like she kind of, like, that kind of diffused any kind of whatever, uh, like, tension there might have been. And I don't mean to say Simone was, wasn't nice, because Simone, like, is a really nice, is really great person, but she's really intense, and... Like when she are asking her a question, she'll like look right at you and she's like thinking about your question, which is great. It's exactly what you want as somebody covering the team, but it's intense because you have to be buttoned up because she will totally call you out if you say something that's not accurate or if you are misrepresenting a situation she does not disguise her feelings. Um, and I think that just her relationship with the with the Lynx uh, media group was pretty funny. Um, her, and, I can just remember her and Kent Youngblood kind of <laughs> going at it, um, which was always really fun. Yeah. And I don't know, I just I remember that 2019 season when she was hurt for the whole season and just how she was always super positive and super encouraging on the sidelines to her teammates. And it was kind of disappointing when she came back and like wasn't really able to get into rhythm. But I don't know, I just or no, 2018. I'm thinking of sorry, I yeah. mean 2018. Um, but yeah, I just she's really fun to watch and it's a shame that her career with the links didn't end up better. I could easily see her becoming an assistant coach for the Lynx, Um, but yeah, just a, an icon.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And be- between her and Waylon on the same team for interviews, um, like they could equally be as goofy, but then also if you catch them on the wrong day, they could equally be as like, they're going to just stare your soul. Yeah. and They're <laughs> just going to like lose all life. Um, speaking of which, that brings us to the card corner, uh, let's 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 focus on that which also big announcement coming in june for the card corner um so just stay tuned for that because that's fun um so with simone um i think a good like a fun product um is the 2006 it's a written house wmba there's not a lot of wmba products out there um like prism and Donris came back last year so good job by panini to to get those products out um but in the 2006 basically it's the like simone's rookie card is in that set um which it's going on sale right now for like 150, 160. Um, and then, but, but also like there's a Simone auto in that set, there's a Subert auto there's Taurasi auto, Becky Hammond auto, which like you can buy those for like 50 or $60, which, I mean, I don't know about you. I would probably buy three or four of those because I think she's going to be the first woman and or NBA coach one day. So, um, those cards are going to skyrocket, but you can get the whole box. Um, not the whole set, which is good to know. Cause it's a 40, um, pack box for around $160 was the last one. Um mm. there's a few other on eBay, but like you know, if all of a sudden you land a Subaru auto it pays for itself already and then you get some of those rookie cards um you know on the back end. So it's a fun product. Um I I have a bid out there right now for one. Um I'm hoping to get it for a little less than 160, but we'll see. Um, There's not a lot of them out there. So um, if you can get it, I think it's like one of those like long-term holds. And when PSA opens in July, maybe you send some in. Um, But with our card talk, um, we have a fun interview um, for kind of the second half of our show here with John from sports cards, investors out in Pennsylvania. I've been working with John for uh, a few years with breaking and, and um, you know, his, his team does a lot of stuff as far as um you know pretty much everything and and john's a great personality and um kind of brings us through you know the the surge of hobby in the last year um he talks about how um you can get involved in sports cards at an affordable price which seems impossible right now yeah um and then he talks he talks about retail versus hobby and why hobby should be the answer and then he also gives us one sneak peek on a player that he really likes um and oddly enough i talk about this in in our interview he's always he's right an odd amount of times on the the players he wants to bet on um in when he says them you're like oh that doesn't seem right um that player's not going to be good and then like three months later you you notice that that player's good so um he's got a pretty good good eye for that stuff but um yeah enjoy that interview um which which will take up the the next 10 or 15 minutes of the podcast but um julian good to see you man um as always um on wednesday we'll do a wolf season recap episode um and we'll kind of talk about the playing tournament uh cool yeah enjoy the interview and we will talk to you guys next week we have a very special guest on um probably uh, and i bought a house this year probably the person that i i maybe uh have sent the most money to over over the last year and a half, um, John from the sports connection, um, out in Pennsylvania. And obviously, um, the, the sports cards investors, uh, Facebook group, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but John, how are you, man?
0: I'm good, Kyle. Thanks a lot for having me.
2: Yeah. One of the questions, um, that we can't have answered that my fiance, um, put in here, she said, how much money did Kyle spend this year? So we, we don't talk about that. Um,
0: I take the fifth
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 we make a profit um okay so you get you guys have the physical store and um but but obviously you, you have a huge online presence which since i joined probably two or three years ago has just grown so much but I think um, over the last year a lot of people have asked me how, that people are getting back into the hobby um, which which you guys have obviously seen um, and, and they're talking about breaks. Um, Because it seems like sometimes the only affordable way to to get into some of these products. Um, The biggest question is, people are like, "What? so what is a break? Um, How would you explain it in in, in, um, layman's terms of of what exactly is a break for, for the sports cards
0: community? Sure, no problem. So breaks are an affordable way, just like you said, for people to get access to certain products, chase players, or chase teams that they want to collect. We've never seen an influx of capital like we've seen over the last two years where people are investing in cards. So what this does is instead of spending $1,500 on a prison basketball box, when you might only be chasing LaMelo or uh, Patrick Williams or another one of the top picks, you can just buy the team that you want and you'll get all the cards that are pulled of that team, which allows you to buy in to a number of these uh, and really build your stash.
2: And you know your group especially, I mean, it, it ends up being a community because you you end up seeing um, some of the same names and faces um, in in the group breaks. And um I know you 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 have gotten bigger, but um, you know that that's a huge part of your brand, and I think, because th- there's so many different breaking groups that that I've seen um, advertisements for, whether it be Facebook or elsewhere um but but what do you think separates
0: your group the industry and and breaks in particular advance so much but what i always wanted was to connect with the people because my thought was if people like us and not everyone does like us i mean you know there's someone for everyone but the people that do like us if we make it personal it gives us a competitive advantage and it gives us an opportunity to keep those customers long term when you just make it about the cards then you know somebody goes on a cold streak or somebody finds something cheaper and you know they 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 go there there's no loyalty so for me it was always about adding a personal touch knowing something about you who you collect where you're from something about your kids something going something going on special in your life um that's really how we try to separate ourselves because we don't have any control over the cards no one does i don't care what anyone says and you know if you just make it about that then you know there's a good chance that You'll see a very high turnover.
2: That's great. Um, And and then over the the pandemic, um, you know, I I think last March that's when um, uh, you know I've been in in these breaks for a while now, but I think last March was when really I started to go through my collection again, and um, I was we're buying a house, and and now I'm I'm getting married here, um, and like you don't realize how much some of these cards are worth, and and obviously the grading process and everything, but. Just over the last um, 12 months or 14 months or whatever, how, how have you seen your business grow and, and is, is the reason just going back to people have more time at home to kind of dive into um, the, the sports cards and memorabilia rem- that they didn't have time to look through before?
0: Th- there's no question that that plays a huge role in it. Um, but, but ultimately, Kyle, I think that sports cards was just a very undervalued asset class and I have a finance background, so I, I've hoarded cards for years and years and years. Just stuff that just always seemed too cheap to me. So I think when you combine COVID, people being at home, people having more time to do things like like realize that this is an undervalued asset class. That's why we've seen such a boom. And now to take it a step further, there are investment companies regulated by the SEC that allow customers to invest in cards. Um, essentially as a mutual fund. So everyone owns shares of these cards that 99.9% of people couldn't afford on their own. So all those factors combined are what are driving prices to the levels we see today.
2: Okay, speaking of the prices, we've we've obviously seen all the storylines at at Target. And for those who haven't, um, basically, you you used to be able to buy as many cards as you wanted from Target. Um, And and then obviously, like during the last year or so, it's been... So hard to get any product. And I think Target started opening at uh, you know, Fridays um to, to get people in for, for the retail products. And it's kind of had the trickle-down effect of um the, you know, some of the 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 hobby stuff is maybe too expensive for people and they want to get into ground level for retail. And um, you know, that's kind of being taken advantage of as well. And and we'll see what happens there. But for people that want to get affordable products, um, and, and br- we we talked about breaking as an option, but well, are there any other options for, I think of when I was 12 or 13 years old, like my parents weren't going to buy me a, you know, even a hundred dollars worth of something, but you know, for 30, $40, $50, I mean, what's your best advice to get people in at the ground level um, at an affordable price?
0: Wow. That's, that's a really tough question. Given the state of the industry right now, I, I don't know if there is a right answer. I, what I would tell people is like you said, a hundred dollars, $50 dollars start splitting boxes with your friends, um, but stick to the hobby boxes. So here's a great example. You can turn a box of series one baseball, which no one wanted for years, right? Like it was looked at as, oh my God, you're ripping series one. Now the rookie cards, which are referred to in the industry as the flagship rookies, I mean, they're in ultra high demand. Look at the Mike Trout tops update, look at the Ronald Acuna, look at the Juan Soto. I could go on, uh, go on and on. My point is you can now open a box that no one used to want, split it with your friend, you can send the cards in for grading and now you're now you're invested in the process of cards and you're looking at it as an investment. It's just it's too tough anymore to do it as a hobby because of the money you have to lay out.
2: Okay, and then I mean you brought up a good point there too with with the hobby versus retail. Um and this this is like probably a deeper conversation but um you, know, you you said stick to the hobby. Why, why do you say that, if I, if I can ask?
0: Sure, I say that because there's guarantees in the hobby. In addition to that, there's just a better chance of you pulling certain rookies, certain insert sets, stuff that's just not included in the retail and it is much more limited, okay? So when you're sticking to something that has a guarantee, think about it, you've been doing this for a while. You could rip blaster after blaster after blaster and hit nothing, like literally nothing. At least in the hobby box, you know you know what to expect. There's expectations, right? And you know you can be disappointed with the content, but at least you know what you're opening.
2: That 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 that's a great call. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right. Um, and and then as far as um, pl- I know sometimes you get you give hints on the Facebook group, and basically what we want to do is get everybody that listens to this show um that that's, that's interested um to, to your group. And, and I, you know, you, you haven't sent me any payments, um, but like the the big thing is like, we're trying to help out people that are trying to get back into the hobby and, and whatever. And, um, you know, I've been part of your group for so long and it's just been so much fun. Um, and you give some words of wisdom and, and, oddly enough, like you're right a lot. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing. I just mean like you're right more than you're not, it seems, which, uh, is rare for, for, um, people in the sports world. I think like all my buddies and my predictions always tend to be wrong. Um, but for, for a player to watch, maybe in the NBA, that uh, like a player that, um, you think maybe it's not a bad idea to invest in is the, is that you don't have to spill all your beans here, but is there any, any guy you're watching?
0: So you have you have a basketball podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little. I'm gonna share a nugget of somebody that I am actually currently buying. The guys that I work with think I'm crazy, but I feel really good about him, and he's really really cheap. So there's two ways that I look at I I look at players to invest in. The first is what's their upside, and do they have a chance to be a big time scorer? Because scoring is what sells, right? So. I have to, you have to look at opportunity. What's going to be their usage? And then the other thing is, is, can their team win? Do they have enough talent around them to make them relevant? So somebody that I like that's kind of way off the radar is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So when I heard that, I remember how good he was at Virginia Tech, and I watched a lot of games uh, that he played. And um, I, I thought just, again, based on the prices, based on guys that I think he can get to and the price disparity – that he's a pretty good buy with a very, very, very high floor.
2: That's, that's a good guy. Um, I have a few of his just prison base cards that I've held on to. Um, and you know, and I I think we we've preached this on the podcast before where, um, I I think sometimes get people get, um, you know, basically sell heavy or they, the panic sell of like making three or $4 on a card. And, um, you know, with, with some of those young rookies, especially if you're getting the the prisms or, or ones that, you know, are going to sell for more, I always think, like, if you need the $2 right now, then certainly, I guess, do it. Um, but, for, you know, for a lot of those guys, like, if you sold off, you know, 10 or 11 Nikhil Alexander Walker cards, but if you look to what it could be worth, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just um, sometimes, like, holding those cards that you think might be junk, uh, especially the rookies, um, it's not always a bad idea to keep them. Um Because you look back in some of the late bloomers and you go, oh yeah, let let me look in this box, especially baseball. I mean, baseball is a classic example um, of getting those guys and and four years later, they turn into studs. Um, But we're kind of running into time here, but um, thank you so much, John. And like, where can people join your Facebook group and, and how can they get involved?
0: They can find us sports card investors with an S group breaks. You can find our business page, Sports Connection. And then you can also find our website, www.chalfont, that's sc.com And all of our product is on there. There's a link to our Facebook group. You can communicate with any uh, of our team members or myself, and we'd be happy to help you get started.
2: Awesome. You rock, man. Um, I'm sure I'll be, I'll be seeing you in a break soon.
0: Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it.
2: All right. Later, man. Have a good day.
0: You too.